0: Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Filled in for me. Thank you, Jason, for uh, doing a good job. And uh, Carrie and I was in, the, uh, this, where were we? we? were in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and y'all were having service. and. And uh, I was uh, an hour behind you, and so when uh, y'all were in here, I was probably just laying in bed, (laughs) being spiritual. I mean, you know, taking a trip every once in a while is kind of spiritual, isn't it? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for bringing us here together. Thank you for allowing us to love you and to serve you. Lord, we're just grateful that you are our God, the mighty God, the thrice holy God, the only God. Lord, we're very grateful that you are the one that we're celebrating, we're lifting up, and we're exalting today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. A caveman was standing by a very large dead dinosaur, and he was standing there. Another guy came by, and he said, "Wow, this is a huge dinosaur." I said, "Did you kill it?" He said, "Yeah, I killed it." He said, "How did you kill this big dinosaur?" And he said, "I killed it with my club." He said, "You killed it with your club?" He said, "How big's your club?" He said, "There's about two hundred of us." That's a big club. But how many of you know things go to better better when you work together and it's teamwork? Do you know you and I were created for community? We were created to be together. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. So we were actually created to be in community, to be together, to work together. The only thing that wasn't good in creation was the singleness of man and the singularity of man, not for him to be alone. So we have to be in community it's uh the word conania fellowship in the new testament i want you to take your bible this morning turn with me to ephesians chapter 4 verse that you're very familiar with and 15 and 16 tells us about how that we are together everybody say together now let's do it together here we go together Now this is what Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. He says, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. You do know that Christ is the head of the church, right? It's not the pastor, it's not the denomination, it's not the elders, not the deacons. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. So we're growing up in him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causing the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So here he says we're a body. But we have different parts of that body There's different elements of the body but when it's together it's functioning right and it supplies what the entire body needs it's healthy carrie taught me word many years ago homeostasis which means the body is in the right proper form and the right atmosphere for health and growth and vitality so that's what we want we want to be in that part now this is what you know if any part of your body begins to dysfunction or not function correctly, it throws the whole body into a problem. If your kidneys shut down, I don't care how good your ears are, but if your kidneys shut down, how many of you know you're in trouble? I've even found out if my big toe hurts, my heart goes down to my toe and beats for a while. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So your body is so connected. And here he's talking about really not your body, although he is. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the community of believers. Christ is the head. Here we are as members in particular. And he gives us this picture. We realize who the head is. We grow up into maturity. Now look there at verse number 15. He says we are to grow up. Most of the time if someone looks at you and says, grow up. Do you ever have a reaction with that? Let me tell you what Paul is doing. Paul is looking you and I, eye to eye this morning, and says, grow up. You've you got to grow up into maturity. You grow up realizing we're only members and parts of the body, but collectively it's a, a great thing, and we grow together. I want to talk to you this morning about what great teams know. We want to talk about teamwork today. What do great teams know? Here's number one. Great teams know that they have a great purpose and a great objective have a great purpose and a great objective it becomes the why why do we do this why are we gathered here this morning why are we collectively coming together what gives us our competitive drive why does this matter what is the reason we are doing what we are doing can I hear an amen if we're just having church we're doing it for the wrong reason Morgan, come up here and stand with me just for a second. Morgan's back there. Many of you know Morgan. Morgan and I had a, a conversation here about uh, two months ago, and I asked him uh, last week if uh, he would help me out here. Uh, give Morgan a hand as he comes up here. Morgan and I are having this conversation, and uh, this is what Morgan told me. He, he said, Pastor Mike, he said, before I was 27 years old, I was arrested 27 times. And uh, you've been in jail, been in prison, all of, all of the Rehab. above. Okay. Rehab, okay. Um, today, Morgan is working with our Overcomers Project. He's got scores and scores of men and women coming back there, taking what he's overcome to help other people to overcome what they need to overcome. Would you give Morgan a big hand? Thank you, Morgan. If you wanna know why we do what we do, there's a reason right there. We're doing something to make a change, not just to have church, but make a change. Cheryl's sitting up here to my left. A few months ago, Dow passed away. Our hearts broke. He and I worked together for 25 years side by side. But When Dow passed away at that hospital, there were scores and scores of people gathered around, Lisa and Cheryl and the girls. And we came together to do the service. Many of you helped with the service. Some of you served, you cooked, you cleaned up. After that was over, many of you went to her home, painted her house, did work on the house. Some of you gave and helped and we, we got Cheryl a new van so she could uh, have, have a ride and, and uh, got rid of the old car that, that she had. Today, we're still, you know, taking care of Cheryl. These are the whys. We we, we, we have a purpose here. We we have a reason of why we do what we do. And and let me give you a reason. As much as we love Morgan and Cheryl, let, let me just step this up a little bit. If we believe that there is a real heaven, and if we believe there is a real hell, there is a huge reason of why we do what we do. Why we gather together, why we are meeting together, why we pray together, why we give together, why we teach and share hope, and why we come together and work hard together because there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. So that's the why. We lift up Christ. And he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. If we really believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then we have a why right here. This is why we do what we do. One of the greatest illustrations of the Bible is Nehemiah. If you'd like to turn there, Nehemiah chapter 4. Most of you know the history. Let me just kind of set the stage. Israel has been in captivity for 70 long years. They have transgressed the word of God and the law of God and the nature of God. And the Babylonians, the Assyrians have taken them into captivity. They've been gone for 70 years. And Nehemiah here's a traveler from Jerusalem and he asks this question. He says, tell me what Jerusalem looks like. And it wasn't good, was it? He said, the walls are broken down. The gates are burnt. The, the houses are destroyed. The enemies have taken over our land. And so Nehemiah gets this huge burden for his homeland. And he asks the king, and this is a miracle, that the king actually not only allows him to go, but funds the trip. How many of you know the Lord will even cause your enemies to pay the bill? (laughs) I like that part, don't you? So Nehemiah, he goes back to Jerusalem. And I want to pick it up in verse 13. Therefore, this is Nehemiah. He says, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. And I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Now, What is Nehemiah doing? He's saying, okay, here's the reason we're fighting. Here's the reason we're building. This is not about just me, and it's not just about you, but number one, now catch this. He said, number one, this is about God. This is about the Lord. This is the place where he said, I'll set my name forever. This is where his house is. This is the people called by his name. So remember the Lord. He is great and awesome and mighty. And remember your brothers and your sisters and your children and your wives and your homes. He says, this is the why. If you don't know the why, you'll get discouraged. If you don't know the why, you'll give up. If you don't know the why, we won't be able to depend on you. But if you know the why, this is why we come together. This is why we gather together. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? They tell me that there was a sign at Cape Canaveral or Cape Kennedy where they launched the the spaceships off. That there was a sign there that says, It takes a team to launch a dream. Have you ever watched them do those space shots? There may be just one guy in the capsule, or two guys, or three guys, or there may be the shuttle crew. But let me tell you, there is a battery of teams, not only in Florida. Are Houston but around the world that are working together to get them shot up into space and to bring them home safely. Many years ago we went to, to NASA down in Houston. You remember the old shots when you you'd see that room with all the the counters and the the computers and they would have the headsets on they're talking and you know Houston we've got a problem and so we actually went into that room years ago and uh, they didn't have a project going on so there wasn't very many people in so they didn't allow me to get to a computer or anything <laughs> but, but they do have a big complex there where you can go through and experience some of the stuff so we went through there and they, they strap you up and you can tell how it's going to be at the uh, gravity on the moon and so we went to a simulator and it was the space shuttle simulator so the boys and I go in there and they give you a stick and you have this big screen and they said we want you to land the space shuttle I wrecked the space shuttle every time never could land the space shuttle so I come out and I'm sorry I can't land the space shuttle and they said this is so delicate it's like flying a brick and uh, that's exactly the way I flew it right into the ground every time I, I, I couldn't do it but but Here's the point. It takes everybody to make that work. And, and there's no superstar here but Jesus. And the only superstar here is the Lord. And the rest of us is the team. We're the members. We're the joints that everything flows through, that we can exalt the head and fulfill the kingdom of God to build what Christ wants to build. Amen? So we have to realize that we have a why. We have a purpose of what we're doing and the reason we're doing it. Here's number two. It is necessary to build trust and honesty within the team. If you don't have trust and honesty, this doesn't work. If you can't trust the people around you, if you can't build confidence with the people around you, if you can't be truthful with the people around you, it will not work. There has to be a commitment to the team. Can they trust you? Can you trust them? Are they a loyal team member? The larger goal always has to loom to the forefront. I'm not that important. You're not that important in the scheme of the total work of Christ. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Trust and honesty is huge. It's true for a sports team. It's true for a marriage. It's true raising kids. It's true in business. You won't continue to do business with someone you don't trust. You won't continue to be in a relationship where there is no trust or honesty our commitment so we have to realize this is huge and we need the kind of honesty and the kind of trust where we can interchange with each other with transparency like what were you thinking when you did that or I need help can you help me or can I question you about something and you not be offended can we have that kind of dialogue or can we acknowledge that we made a mistake I dropped the ball. I need you to come alongside of me because I can't get this done by myself. Aren't you glad that Aaron and her came alongside of Moses on top of the mountain and held his hands up when they needed the hands held up? What what happened? It needed a team to make the dream work, right? There was a team fighting down here at the bottom of the mountain, but let me tell you what really was the fight. That was to keep the leader's hands up while the fight's going on. It was something that really illustrated it took all of us to get. The enemy defeated so that's what we're doing it takes a team to make this happen here's the third thing every team member has their own set of gifts talents and they have to fit together now go back with me to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16 it says being fitted together say that with me being fitted together let's say it again being fitted together now what does that mean it means all the parts fit together have you ever tried to work a puzzle and some of the pieces were missing? That's frustrating. Or you tried to cram, oh yeah, you're guilty. I see it. You tried to cram a piece into the place and it didn't fit and you knew it didn't fit and you tried to smash it in there. Well, you might have got it in there, but you just messed up the whole picture. So, we have to be fitted together according to Ephesians chapter 4. So, when we fit together we accomplish more we gain more we grow more so what can my gift do to complement your gift and what can your gift do to complement my gift so according to scripture then you have a gift that complements me and I have a gift that complements you correct so you bring something to the table that I don't bring and I may bring something to the table that you don't bring but what we need at the table is what we need at the table I may not bring it you may bring it I may bring this you bring that it's kinda like the spiritual smorgasbord that we come and bring it all to the table and when we get it all to the table guess what it works it's good it's great God's glorified people are blessed they're encouraged but everyone brought a different giftedness to the table and and, and this is illustrated so very well let's go back to Nehemiah chapter 4 because your gift listen very intently here your gift brings a wholeness to the whole. My gift brings a wholeness to the whole. You say, well, mine's not very important. Well, it's important in this body. It's important in the kingdom of God. You say, well, mine's not that big. Well, let me tell you, my key fob's not very big, but that big car's not going without it. I deserve a better amen than that. You know what I'm saying? The other day, I thought I had my key in the, you know, I've got the the Tahoe where you don't insert the key, you just push the button. But if that key fob's not close enough to the car, you can push and push and push and you're dead in the water. I had to get up, go in the house, look for the key fob, put it in my pocket, then I could go. Now, you may say, well, I'm just a key fob. We need you. We're not going anywhere without you. Got to have you. Well, uh, you know, the, the shiny hood looks really good. That's fine. Let the hood shine, but we need the key fob. Well, those mag wheels look look really great. That's great, but we need the key file. You see, it all fits together. We've got to have the whole for the whole thing to work. Now, back to Nehemiah 4. Look at verse 16. He says, half the people worked construction. The other half held shields, the spears, the bows, and wore the armor. Verse 17. Some built on the wall. Some carried materials. Some loaded the materials. Some worked with a trowel in one hand and a weapon in the other hand. One person, Nehemiah said, always stood by me and he had the trumpet. And whenever there was alarm, he would blow the trumpet. Now, watch what he's saying. He says, okay, some are building, some are guarding, some are carrying the materials, some are loading the materials, It's hard to build if the enemy's right on top of you. I mean, you're you're so preoccupied with the enemy attacking that you can't be focused. So what Nehemiah does, he says, okay, you guys guard. You guys build. You guys carry the material to the ones who are building. And you guys over here load the material up to the ones who are constructing the wall. So he's got everybody divided up. This thing is a well old machine. He does it in record time because he has everybody in a different function working together. So their gift is put together in the whole. You may be here today and say, well, listen, Pastor Mike, you know, I'm older. I, I, I can't, you know, do this. I can't sing. I can't play. I can't preach. I can't teach. I can't, can't go back there with the two-year-olds. They would eat my lunch. But if you know how to pray, If you know how to intercede, if you know how to fast, you know what you're doing? You're putting the armor of God on, and you're keeping the enemy at bay while somebody else is constructing. Isn't that amazing? You can pray. You can cover this place and cover the workers. You can put your armor on, and you can begin to pray so somebody else can do what they're called to do. But if they're attacked repeatedly, if they feel like their life is in jeopardy, it's hard for them to do what they're doing, and you're keeping the enemy at bay. How many of you know some of us are protectors? Some of us are builders? Some of us are carrying the load? Some of us are loading up the load on those that carry the load. We all have a different function, and every function is very important. And so don't ever say, We don't have need of that person. Or we don't have need of that. And the Bible is clear that we cannot say to any part of the body, I have no need of you. Can I hear an amen? So we are together. Let me read verse 14 again. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, the leaders, the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your houses. What's Nehemiah doing? Well, number one, he's encouraging the people. He's become the cheerleader. But I think one of the greater things here, he says, this is why you're doing this. This is the why. You have come together, you've taken your gifts, and you've put it together. This is the why. He's reminding them of the why. And it looks a lot like teamwork, doesn't it? Now, you may be here today and say, okay, that's great. We're hearing about teamwork, teamwork, teamwork doesn't sound very spiritual. Oh no, it's real spiritual. Huge, huge, huge. You know what Jesus did when he started his ministry? He walked along the seashore of Galilee. He went to a receipt of custom. He went here and there. This is what he's doing. He says, I want you on my team. I want you on my team. I want you on my team. And I want you on my team. If Jesus is assembling the team, how important is that for us to understand the concept? Why did the Son of God, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, goes about and assembles a team to do the work that he's going to work through us and among us because he set an example for all of us to follow. Now here's another thought about this. Not only for us to follow, but Jesus repeatedly told them, I'm not always going to be with you. I'm going to sin. I'm going to go back to heaven. And the work that is going to go on must be carried on with you. Can I give you a reality check here? You're not going to live forever. Have a good day. You're not. You're not going to live forever. I'm not going to live forever. Now, hopefully, you and I are going to live long lives and maybe the Lord will come in our lifetime. Maybe he'll catch us away. We'll go on the rapture. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? I'd just soon go on the first load, wouldn't you? So maybe that'll happen. But if it doesn't, how many of you want the legacy and the work of God to continue on even after you're gone? Absolutely. We talked about Dow. Dal. Dow's already in heaven. He just went off and left us. But I'll guarantee you, I know his heart, he would want not only the work to go on, he would want the work to get bigger. He would want us to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, our uttermost parts of the world for Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? So what do we do? We are realizing that this thing is going to continue to go on. So we have to be committed to the whole, to grow, to increase. And if you don't pull your weight, you're accountable. You don't want to become the weak link to the chain. I don't want to become the weak link to the chain. Oh, it's hard work. I'm tired. (laughs) Don't be the weak link, be one of the strongest links be the link where you and I can see good things happen we care about the why right and when we quit caring about the why we become one of the weak links and uh, you don't want to be that neither do I I want to be a strong link turn to your neighbor and say I want to be a strong link let me tell you something else you don't want to be you don't want to be a distraction have you ever seen these teams they have one or two people on the team that becomes a distraction they won't stand for the national anthem. They pull a Kaepernick. Has anybody picked him up yet? Wonder why. I'll tell you why. He's become a distraction. Do you realize people in the church become a distraction? They leave the team and they get on their solo agendas. Oh, you preach, Pastor. They, they got their solo agendas. Oh, no. This is his agenda. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's his agenda. So don't become a distraction. Don't become that one who is a liability or a an hindrance. And don't let your personal agenda get above what the Lord wants to do among all of us. Can I hear an Amen because solo acts will quickly be eliminated matter of fact they just hang from trees some of you get that on the way home isn't that true out of the team that Jesus selected the solo act hung from a tree well he's preaching okay number four great teams need great leaders they must be coachable you know a lot of the coaches obviously are great leaders and and we watch them in football and basketball and all types of sports baseball and those coaches those managers that they're, they're great leaders and, and a lot of them have a great sense of humors uh, some of the funniest things you'll ever hear is from coaches if you remember steve spurrier you know he was a heisman trophy winner And then he went to Duke when the ACC championship. Then went to Florida, made Florida a powerhouse. Then he went to South Carolina, the Gamecocks, and uh, he coached there. And uh, he made this comment that this actually happened: Auburn University, who's in the uh, the same league where he played, and they were arch rivals, and, and they had a fire at the university and burnt several of their books. And so when Spurrier heard that Auburn had a fire and it burned a lot of the books in the library, he said, that is so sad. But he said, let me tell you what's even more sad than that. He said, most of them hadn't even been colored yet. <laughs> now, that's just funny. <laughs> and then Danny Werfel, who was the, the, uh, the quarterback in Florida, who won the Heisman, they won the national championship that year, he told this story about Spurrier. He said, one, one game, he said, I threw an interception, And he said it was a horrible interception, and I come off, my head hung low, and said, Spurger said, he said, Danny, don't worry about it. He said it's not your fault. He said it's my fault. I'm the one who put you in. (laughs) That made me feel better, didn't it? So we we have to realize we're 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 team. We have coach. We have to be coachable. The Lord's our coach, right? We get His mindset. Tom Landry said, a coach is someone who tells you what you don't want to hear. Who has, you see what you don't want to see, so you can be who you've always known you could be. Isn't that great? Are you coachable so somebody can pour into your life and and make you better? Casey Stingle, the old baseball coach, says, finding good players is easy. Getting them to play as a team is a whole other issue. John Wooden, the great basketball coach, says, a good coach can change a game, but a great coach can change a life. Pat Williams, who was the manager of the Orlando Magic, who uh, won a, you know, a world title in his book, The, the Magic of Teamwork, he, he relates this story. There was a, a prospect coming out of college, and this guy was just extremely well. I mean, he was phenomenal. And so Pat Williams went to the scouts and said, uh, What round is this guy going to be drafted in? He is so good. Where is he going to be drafted? And he said, the scouts told him, said, we don't think anyone will even pick him up. And he says, how can that be? This guy is so good. Why won't they pick him up? And said, the scouts told him this, he's not coachable. He will not listen. He plays his own game, and he will not be part of the team. I don't think anybody will pick him up. Isn't that a tragedy? When you have that much talent, so much to give, but you won't even be coachable. Here's the last thing. Great teams desire to grow, get better, and win. Great teams desire to grow, get better, and win. Folks, there's a lot at stake here, isn't there? Lives are at stake. People who have addictions, marriages that are on the rocks, children that are prodigal, our own hearts that tend to wonder, our hearts that are drawn to the wrong thing because of our carnality, We need not only to be redeemed, we need to be the kind of people God can use to build his kingdom. So we can do that. We should do that. The Lord wants us to do that. We can come together as a community of believers. Folks, you've heard me say this. I am not interested in being a church that sits on the corner singing Kumbaya for 100 years. Doesn't interest me at all. Let's impact our children, our teenagers, our schools, our community, people who are in distress. Because we have a why of why we do what we do. To lift him up and touch his people. Can I hear an amen? He is the way. We have an objective. We need to grow collectively as a team. To grow in grace, grow in knowledge, grow in strength. You know where the largest trees in the world are? They're in the mountains on the west coast. Carrie and I, several years ago, I was speaking out in the uh, California, San Francisco, Fresno area. And we had some friends, I'd never been there, but took us up into the mountains. And many of you have been there. The giant sequoias and the redwoods, massive. They were beyond my expectations, really. You know, they hollowed some of those out and actually made tunnels where you could drive a car through them. I looked at one that had fallen years and years ago and they had pictures of this massive tree that had been rotted out in the middle and the armies would put their horses inside of it like a barn. The, 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 the this whole thing's lined up full of horses. Now that's a big tree. I mean the biggest trees in the world right there on the slopes of that wind and that moisture coming up the mountains of the Sierras as it goes from California to to Oregon up through Washington, huge trees. Now here is the dilemma. That soil is not very deep. Matter of fact, most of it is rocky and shallow and, and rocky crags throughout the mountains. And you think, how do those massive trees stand up under the fierce winds and the storms that blow in off the Pacific coast? And here's the key. This is what they realized. Their roots interlock each other. And so for one of them to fall down, you would nearly have to blow several of them down. Isn't that the way it should be in the church? Hey. The enemy attacks you, guess what? He attacks everybody. You need prayer? We all pray. You need help? We all help. You need support? We all support. What are we doing? We're interlocking our roots. We're we're not the 24 no more. No more. But we can be a people who lock the roots together. And so when the fierce winds of adversity blow and the enemy comes, it's hard to blow someone down because we're linked together. And not only are we linked together, but the roots have a way of supplying the water and the nutrients to different parts of the forest through that root system that interlocks together. It is amazing. It's a miracle of Almighty God's what it is, isn't it? Be like a tree, this planet. That it doesn't wither and its fruit never wastes away. And we can do that, can't we? You know how we do it? We do it because we're a team. And we're supplying what each other needs. We're holding each other up in adversity. When the enemy attacks one, he attacks all of us. Because we're going to run to the defense of the single, because we are joined together to the body. Wow, that's amazing. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.